welcome to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. Um, I just wanted to pop in here and say hello and kind of tell you what's been going on with the podcast and what is to come. So I'm here without Emily. I'm just recording a little solo episode uh, in order to announce that the Theory Club is unfortunately ending. Uh, We've really, really enjoyed doing the show. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been so fun and so awesome to connect with a lot of really great scholars and musicians and talk to them about what they do in music. It's been so valuable for both me and Emily. Uh, But, you know, going forward, we're just wanting to make sure that we have enough time uh, individually to focus on school. You know, Emily's going to be a junior this year and doing her first recital. So... Uh, And, you know, I'm going to start teaching this year. So there's just a lot going on. And we figured this would be kind of a natural ending point to the podcast. Now, that being said, (laughs) you know, I, I did end up getting a little grant to start my own podcast project. So I will be doing a solo podcast Uh, It's actually, it's already started. The first episode is already out. So I thought that I would put the first episode in this podcast feed so that y'all could check out the first episode and then hopefully subscribe to my new podcast, which is called Her Music Academia. Um, And it's just me doing similar things to the Theory Club. Honestly, it'll be me talking about music, talking about my experience in grad school, and I'll still have guests on the podcast to talk about what they do in music. So if you like the show and you like me, you'll probably like (laughs) my solo podcast. Uh, But I thought that I would plop it here so that you could check it out. And then I would really appreciate it if you could go subscribe and follow the new podcast, Her Music Academia. Again, thank you so much for listening up to this point, for all your support. It's been such a fun project that I really value, that Emily deeply values. And uh, yeah, it'll always be just a really meaningful experience for us. Without further ado, here's the pilot episode of my new podcast, Her Music Academia. And welcome to Her Music Academia, the podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Bangura. I'm a PhD student at the University of Michigan studying music theory. So I analyze music, I talk about music, I write about music. And this podcast is the space where I do all of that with special guests and with you. Right, hi there. (laughs) Welcome to the first episode of my new solo podcast project. This has been in the works for a long time. I've really enjoyed doing my other podcast project, which is called The Theory Club. We've been doing it for over a year now, uh, and I've hosted that with my good friend Emily. Now, that podcast project has been so, so fun. I've really, really valued working with Emily and her perspective and it really kind of created this desire in me to have a space to further talk about what I'm interested in, further dive into my own research, um, and continue conversations with people in my field, with professors, with grad students, with performers, 
anybody who's interested in talking about what they do in music, I want to continue that conversation as well as have kind of a space to really develop my own ideas about my research and kind of see like what my dissertation is going to turn into, all those things. So if you're listening and you're from the Theory Club, hey girl, thank you for listening. appreciate it um and if you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard the theory club go back and listen to the theory club listen we've got some good episodes (laughs) that is a great show if i do say so myself and i do so yeah like i mentioned this podcast has been kind of in the works for a while I wanted it to go hand in hand with my website, which is hermusicacademia.com. I've had that website for about a year. And that's just where I've been, again, kind of documenting my progress here at the University of Michigan. So I've posted recordings on there of me singing. I'm an opera singer for background context. (laughs) Um, I also have posted um, any talks that I do or conference presentations that I do, as well as my blog on there where I've been posting some of my term papers um, with ideas that I think are interesting or might end up showing up later in my research. And that has been really beneficial for me because I find it really really valuable to receive feedback from people. So anybody who reads what I post on my blog or who wants to listen to my recordings to any of the talks that I've given you know I'm always open to feedback you can go to hermusicacademia.com and there's a contact sheet on there uh, with my email hermusicacademia at gmail.com please feel free to send me your feedback on anything that's on the website or on this podcast I would really appreciate it I also find it really important to have a space to talk about my experiences, particularly around being a black academic and especially a black woman in academia, right? We know it's hard out here. (laughs) I think it's something like 2% of tenured professors are black women in the academy, right? So it's tough (laughs) to say the least, right? Um, And so I also wanted a space where I could kind of center my identity, right? And the conversation Being in music academia is such a particular thing. You know, there's also, you know, very, very small percentage of music academia faculty that are black, let alone black women. So that's something that's really important to me. That's a challenge that I'm currently facing. um, And I do feel a lot of support in my program. But I know as I progress uh, kind of further into the academy and further into my, my academic career, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm a little nervous about it. We'll get to all of that. Um, but that's a big motivation around me starting my own podcast as well as I want to be able to think through the ideas that I'm thinking through as a Black woman and not separate my identity from my ideas and from my writing and from my work. So again, like I mentioned earlier, my email is hermusicacademia.com at gmail.com. I'm really, really interested in your feedback, please. We've got a ton of great feedback um, from the Theory Club podcast that I'm so appreciative of. Let me just say, listen, (laughs) we got so much feedback about that Beyonce episode that I did. 
<laughs> which is crazy because it was just me literally monologuing for like 40 minutes about Beyonce. We didn't have a guest that episode. It was just me. I did it as a final project for one of my classes. I can't believe y'all y'all really liked it like that like that. <laughs> like it was just me talking so that kind of <laughs> maybe gave me the the confidence to be like okay maybe if I just talk to myself on a mic like people would actually listen okay <laughs> but again there will be guests coming up on the podcast as well we've got some great guests lined up that I'm really really excited about um and so please I really really encourage that cycle of feedback I would love to hear your feedback so if you have books topics that you know music that I should be listening to and talking about things that you think more people in the music academy sh- should be talking about please send me an email and if you dear listener listening to the show right now in your car cooking dinner whatever you're doing if you are a musician right and you are a music academic or you write music or you perform music please send me an email if you want to be on the show i would absolutely love that So for this first episode, I thought that I would kind of just do a reflection of my first year at the University of Michigan in their music PhD program. So it's been a really, really great time so far. And I I just really wanted to kind of reflect on what I'm learning, what I took away from my first year, my goals for the second year, things like that. And I thought this would be a fitting kind of intro episode for anybody who is unfamiliar with me and you're listening to me for the first time. So you get to get to know me a little bit and a little bit about my experiences in music. So first I want to say about Michigan's program, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. I feel like there have been so many great opportunities open to me because the University of Michigan has just a lot of different resources. There are a lot of different grants you can apply for. There's travel grants and there's the Excel Lab, uh, which is particular or specific to the uh, the School of Music and Theater and Dance, I believe. Um, and so there's just a lot of resources that you can apply for. It's really easy to get like your research funded. That's been so, so nice. You know, I actually got a travel grant to study with Dr. Philip Yule, which I did in Florida for an artist residency for three weeks. That was a couple months ago now. And that was such a valuable experience. And I'm really thankful that I got funding from the University of Michigan to go and they paid for my travel there and back, which was so awesome. So, you know, so far it's been over overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I've had great professors, some great classes, classes that, you know, I had to take that I wasn't necessarily excited about taking, but I was surprised by how much I enjoyed them. Re Shankirian analysis. I was petrified. <laughs> and do I, do I still feel like at the end of it, did I, did I get it all the way? you know, maybe it's going to take me a couple more years of doing Shakirian analysis, but I was really pleasantly surprised how much I really enjoyed that class and how much I enjoyed the professor. And um, there have been so many classes like that where I was like, 
you know, I guess I, I guess I'm kind of interested in this. I'll just take it. Or like, uh, I think I like this professor. So like, I'll just take it. And overwhelmingly positive experiences. Um, great syllabi. I've been learning a lot and it really feels like my professors have been really supportive of my research interests so far. You know, I came into the program kind of knowing that I wanted to do something with Black people in classical music. I was generally interested in, you know, American music in the 20th century and what Black people are doing in classical music. And so, you know, I'm, I feel really, really supported in what I'm trying to do and where my interests are kind of going. And, and all my professors have given really great detailed generous feedback which i i really appreciate i'm still learning to take it <clears throat> you know <laughs> but they but they really go through the trouble of of deeply reading my work and giving detailed feedback um and so i know based on their feedback that they are invested in my growth and in my success and in my writing um so that has been just so nice like I I'm really really happy to be here and I feel really confident in my choice to pick Michigan for a music PhD like I mentioned my current research interest when I came into the program I knew that I was interested in American music I knew that I was interested in black people in classical music and so as it's kind of developed uh, I'm really interested getting even more specific in what black women are doing in classical music, right? And looking at black women's music through the lens of black feminism. So that's kind of my current fascination is reading a lot of black feminist literature, trying to understand the theories and see if applying that to the music of black women, right? Like what is revealed when we look at it through that lens and I'm really interested in like the main question right now that I'm trying to explore is why be a black woman in classical music specifically, right? As opposed to some other historically black genre, right? So what does it mean to be a black woman who writes symphonies instead of jazz or blues or hip hop or something like that right other historically black genres like we there's scholarship already exploring those things there's you know angela davis blues legacies and black feminisms there's um joan morgan's when chicken heads come home to roost i just bought that book so about like hip-hop feminism so you know it's it's been explored in a couple other areas but as someone who, as a Black woman who's always been deeply rooted in the classical music space, for better or for worse, right? Like, what is it about this space that compels me to, to continue to be here, right? As opposed to migrating towards jazz or towards blues. And so I find that question so deeply interesting as far as like, you know, at the at the core of black feminism is what is restorative, right? Restorative justice. And so is there something that can be restorative about the classical music space for black women? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm trying to give I'm trying to 
I'm trying to nail down that idea. It's still a really broad idea. Um, but, you know, I have a current fascination with Florence Price, Margaret Bonds, Undine Smith Moore, um, Dorothy Redmore, a lot of composers in the Chicago space. I'm really interested in what was happening in Chicago in the, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s. So that's that's where we're situated. There's got to be something there. <laughs> Right. I'm trying to learn how to ask good questions, interesting questions. Um, so those are my questions right now. And like I mentioned earlier, it feels like, you know, I came into the degree knowing a bit about what I wanted to study, but a bit nervous about how my professors were going to, you know, were they going to be supportive of that research? Is it too out there? Um, and overwhelmingly, the feedback has been really, really positive. So I feel really thankful. I just want to mention quickly that the city of Ann Arbor is absolutely lovely. I am living my best life. I think it's just an adorable little college town. You know, I went to Northern Arizona University for my undergraduate degree, which is in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is similarly a really cute, historic college town off of Route 66, you know, a mountain town at 7,000 feet elevation. And I adored it. And so this is, this is kind of giving me that, but like the, but the lake version, which I, I think has been really, really nice. When I was in Chicago for my master's, I went to Roosevelt University, the Chicago College of Performing Arts. You know, Chicago as a city, it was so vibrant and exciting, but I don't know that I'm much of a city gal, to be honest. And so I think the college town vibe kind of fits me better. And I think Ann Arbor is, you know, a quintessential college town. Someone said to me the other day, like, oh, it makes sense that you like Ann Arbor so much because it's like a real life Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and I was like... How did you know Gilmore Girls was my favorite show? <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. All right. So next I want to touch on kind of the development of my research. You know, I've mentioned I'm really interested in black classical music in the United States. And so what I've decided to do is, as if I don't have enough coursework, ha ha ha, is add an African-American studies and diaspora studies certificate to my degree, right? So it's basically like a little minor. I'll be getting a, a certificate um, at the end of this degree in, in conjunction with the music theory PhD. And I, y'all, it is so, so valuable. I have never... And this is so unfortunate and it makes me mad every time I think about it. I have never taken a black studies class before this past year. Never. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that the music curriculum, when you're in your undergrad and when you're doing your master's, when you're studying performance or education, it's so packed with all this music stuff that you never get the opportunity to like take a black studies course take like a women's and gender studies course and like a queer studies class like you never you never get the opportunity <laughs> to kind of dive into you, you know maybe other areas in the humanities where you might be interested and so this was so that you know I took a class in the fall um that really just rocked my world and it was right 
where I was when I was in that class that I knew that I wanted to add the certificate to my degree. I know it's going to be relevant for my research, but it's also just so relevant to my experiences and to my personhood. It's such a great way to make friends because, you know, I, listen, there aren't any, there aren't that many black people in the department. <laughs> and so, you know, if I want to be serious about having black community here and making black friends, it's not really going to be in the music academic department here. No shade. <laughs> but that's the nature of music academia. Okay. So, you know, if I, if I want to be serious about making black friends, um, meeting other black women and at, at the university of Michigan, such a great way to do that is by taking black studies courses, right. By meeting black professors. And that has been so valuable it's been such a great way to make friends i've made some really close friends um in the classes that i've taken it's i know that this certificate is going to be really relevant for my research but it's, it also just feels so important for me as a scholar to expand my network to include other black students and other black professors um it's just <laughs> it's really it's really been a game changer for my experience you know i um I really struggled during my master's degree because I uh, I didn't really have black friends while I was in the program. And, you know, unfortunately, my experience during my master's, which was very heavily tainted by the pandemic as well, um, you know, I just didn't really have great allies in my corner. I didn't have that many professors that I could go to to talk about issues of of racism or of sexism that I was experiencing in the program so it just made it really really difficult to finish and I'm so thankful that I I don't really feel that here because I already feel so well connected to other black students and professors that I really trust I'm really, really excited to take Swahili next year. <laughs> for the for the program, you have to take a language course. Either you have to take like two beginners semesters of a language or take one advanced semester. I could take Italian or probably just test out of Italian because I got an Italian minor during my undergrad. I decided I want to take the opportunity to learn new language and I would love for that to be an African language so we're going for Swahili uh, and I hope to meet more black students and more black professors another thing that I want to discuss is my developing relationship with reading and with writing and with speaking. Okay, so let's let's break this down. Let's break this down. <laughs> because okay. So if you've listened to the theory club, the OGs know. The OGs know that I was not ready to read. I was not <laughs> I had no idea. Okay, that the reading was going to be so intense and that there was going to be so much of it all the time and it was going to be so constant. I had, why didn't y'all warn me? You could have sent me an email, please, that there was going to be. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean I'm doing research? Reading? 
I've just never, like, I've just never read before, right? I just didn't really have to read for my undergrad. I didn't have to read for my master's. It was all like, you're performing, you're practicing, you do recitals, you're in an opera, you're in the choirs. Like, you're just, like, there's, there wasn't really, like, okay, you have to read this book in seven days. Actually, you have to read three books in seven days. Like, that, that kind of reading and, like, academic reading with the prose and then like you have to you have to pay close attention you have to take good notes like you have reading comprehension right like you have to understand and really internalize what you're reading i i just feel like y'all didn't warn me and a shady of y'all okay that was not y'all just left me out to dry okay but i will say that there were a couple classes in particular where I was like, oh, like that Black Studies class that I mentioned where I was like, wait, what? What? Okay, we're reading. Like we're reading, reading. Like we're starting to, and then it really was kind of getting to that residency with Dr. Yule that, um, you know, I had kind of three weeks to work on a Florence Price project. Don't worry, there's an episode coming about it. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that at a later point. But we were, you know, three weeks in Florida, and I have just this long stretch of time to, like, do my research and to read. And it just had, like, the, like, it happened. Like, I got bit by the bug. Like, it just happened. And now I can't, I love reading now it just like you know I've always liked it I've always had my genres that I've liked like and the academic reading it took me a while to get into it I was so intimidated at first there was just so much at first it was so overwhelming and like when I was in Florida I don't know what switched but it was like suddenly it was like I wanted to read like a book a day like suddenly it was like oh we're in our sponge era like we're just soaking it in like I and it just clicked and now I can't stop. I'm having a lovely, lovely summer reading a ton of books. Um, and I really, I don't know. I didn't expect for it to happen that way, but it's, it's, I'm certainly really enjoying that part of the PhD. Now we do have to sort out our relationship to writing. <laughs> Girl. I don't know what we're doing, okay? I don't... Listen. <laughs> this is so interesting. Again, I think this is something that I might get into in that, that residency episode because I have a lot of thoughts about this, but we're still sorting out our relationship to writing. I find it really intimidating still. You know, writing longer papers and even, you know, obviously the thought of writing a whole dissertation still feels so gargantuan, you know, about how you even go about something like that. I don't have to worry about it just yet, but you know, I, I'm still kind of sorting out my relationship to writing. I'm still trying to get a, a hold on the academic language and the prose and the writing style. It's such a particular writing style and I've never taken a writing class. Like I'm just, you know, it's something that again, I just didn't really have to do during my 
like performance degrees like there's no reading there's no writing you're just practicing <laughs> just in the practice room so you know that has also been a really new piece for me that I still feel like I'm trying to get the hang of or I'm at least trying to get my writing process to not feel so daunting you know when you open the word doc and it's blinking at you the cursor's blinking at you laughing at you and you're like <laughs> paralyzed you know I, I still get that feeling a lot and so I'm really trying to work through my writing approach like setting up a writing practice to do it more often so that it can begin to feel a bit more comfortable for me so if y'all have any tips I know y'all got tips you better email me <laughs> help a girl out please 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 if you have books or, you know, resources that really help you write um, or really help you organize your thoughts, right? If if there are, you know, platforms or apps that you use that help you to kind of organize your thoughts or get into the writing process, please send them my way, hermusicacademia at gmail.com. I'd love to hear it. Now, my thoughts on speaking... I just, you know, I realized over this year how much I really, really like speaking, right? Obviously, I've been doing the podcast. I'm excited about this podcast project. And I just find speaking to be a really valuable and yet kind of undervalued skill. Um, I think skills that we associate with pedagogy and with teaching tend to be undervalued over skills that we associate with research. You know, and I think that there's a gendered element to that. But I think, you know, I I feel so much more at ease when I'm speaking rather than when I'm writing. That's such an important part of why I wanted to start this podcast, because speaking my ideas out loud really helps me to process them. <laughs> um, and so that's why I really gravitate towards this medium of podcasting. I really like speaking at conferences. I find it easier to prepare conference presentations and papers when I know that they're going to be spoken versus when I know that they're going to be just read. I don't know. It's like a weird switch that I do in my brain. Like, if I know that I'm going to be speaking it, then suddenly it feels easier to handle the writing portion. And I just love the live element of conferences. I love getting feedback. I love Q&As. Like, I want to be able to think on my feet better. I want to be able to ask interesting questions. Like, and through this podcast and talking to people about what they do in music, like, I can feel myself getting better at asking interesting questions and getting better at interviewing people and getting better at starting meaningful conversations. And so I really want to continue to, to hone that skill, even if it's not something maybe that, is formally recognized in academia to the extent that reading and writing are I it's something that I personally think is an important skill to develop and so I hope that I can continue to do that by doing this podcast something else that I want to reflect on is kind of all of the non-academic parts of being a grad student as far as like 
how I am taking care of myself when I'm not at school, um, the things that I'm connected to outside of music and all those things, because those are just as important as what I'm doing in music and in academia. Something that's kind of surprising is I sleep so much now. (laughs) I'm sleeping more than ever. You know, I had my phase of being like, girl, I don't need to sleep. I get like four hours a night, which don't do that. If you're listening to this and you're a music undergrad, please go to bed. Like, don't, don't be like Auntie Lydia, please (laughs) go to bed. Um, (laughs) But I, you know, and during my master's, I really was not... I was not sleeping. I was working a lot. You know, Chicago Chicago is expensive. So I was working a lot to uh to just maintain like being able to live in Chicago. Um but I'm finding that like I I find myself really really tired and now I've kind of got like a consistent sleep schedule going on, which is good. But that first like month of school where I wasn't getting a lot of sleep it was catching up to me really, really, really quickly, as opposed to in the past, you know, I could skate by a little while with not getting a lot of consistent sleep, but it was like the first week and I know myself, I know when I don't get enough sleep, I get migraines. And so the first week of school, it was like Thursday of the first week of school and I got a migraine and I was like, yo, (laughs) I can't remember the last time I got a migraine. It was intense. And so you know, I kind of realized really quickly, like, oh, I need to go to bed. Like, my brain is tired from all the reading. (laughs) Like, my brain is tired. So, you know, that's kind of been a new sensation that I've been really trying to keep consistent, I guess. Being able to kind of tie ritual into my life to both sleeping and eating, like, making sure that I have, like, consistent morning routines and bedtime routines like I just didn't realize that routine was going to be so influential for me but it really really has been there's a twitter thread that I want to mention that someone sent to me like right as I was starting the PhD last year and it's by Catherine Page Harden at kph3k on twitter they have this twitter thread that says Give some advice to my first year PhD students today, and I am repeating it here in case anyone else in transition finds it useful. Your first month is about establishing sustainable habits and routines. That's it. That is your main job right now. A lot of success in academia comes down to one, having ideas, and two, being able to execute them. Having ideas is like sleep training a baby. You cannot force a baby to sleep. You can, however, put a baby in a sleep-conducive space at the same time every day, after it has had adequate food and affection and play. Your brain is a cranky baby who wants to sleep but doesn't know how yet and you have to teach it. In order to have a routine for real creative intellectual work, you need scaffolding routines for everything else. This requires being serious about your actual time commitments and your actual availability for cognitively demanding work. Realistically, I can think for about 25 hours per week and everything else is routine maintenance tasks. So if you are starting a new PhD, my advice to work on is, when are you sleeping? What and when are you eating? When and how are you moving your body? 
What is your physical space for creative work? What needs to change to make it better? What hours are you spending there every week? So that really helped me to think about, oh, routine is really going to be like so important here and I need to prioritize that. I can link uh, that Twitter thread in the show notes. I think the last thing about ritual that I want to say is I'm also learning, I'm trying to really develop this during the summer, is having actual days off. Actual, hear me, for the people in the back, actual, like sacred days off, like actual days off (laughs) where you don't do anything related to academic work, like you clean or you cook or you go out or you stay in or you sleep or you read or you do whatever you want that's not work (laughs) which is really hard for me it's really hard to have that clear separation between like okay this is a day where I'm truly like it can wait that's really hard to do like emails can wait and all that stuff but like I'm trying to really internalize like the rest is essential like it's not it's not optional if you don't prioritize the rest like then everything else is gonna fall through and you're gonna burn out so really learning that early right that it's not about like rest you rest after your week is done because you did work to deserve the rest like the rest just is like it has to be right cool next i want to talk about something that i find has also really made my time in ann arbor so wonderful and that is remembering to be like a full person (laughs) So what I mean by this is not getting fully sucked into the work of academia, but remembering that I'm so many things in addition to a junior scholar, right? And a grad student. So this kind of includes like asking what are my creative outlets, right? To remember that I'm still a musician, right? I'm a performer. So I'm a music academic, but I'm also a performer, right? So like creative outlets like singing for me are so important. And so I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to be in an opera moto opera in Detroit. Um, That was in February and it was great. It was such an awesome production of The Magic Flute. And, you know, I got to do a recital in April and that was so fun I love recitals I love art song like I like I love opera but I love some art song so like I think recitals are gonna be my jam going forward because it's like you get to pick your own repertoire and the you know art songs are so much more accessible and gender neutral and it's just like it's so refreshing I love leader I love art song so being able to like really connect with like the things that have sustained me throughout my musical career up until this point and really making sure that I'm prioritizing those in addition to the studies because both halves of me are important. I also want to talk about how much 
being a barista adds to my life. Like I know that being a barista has this weird rap for being this in-between space that people do when they're like in between jobs or whatever. It's not a real career and people just do it when they have to. And, you know, oftentimes that's the case. And certainly it's frustrating to have a minimum wage job because people should get paid a living wage to do work that is valuable. (laughs) Um, And it is valuable work and it's hard labor. And like, it's crazy that people call it unskilled labor because you can't pour a latte art swan thank you um it absolutely takes work it takes labor it you have to learn it it's not easy um you know any minimum wage job adds so much value and it doesn't make sense to to devalue it other than for the purposes of you know capitalism (laughs) of exploitation um but so i understand why people don't like minimum wage work because you know of the nature of being exploited in your place of work but I you know I'm very very fortunate to be working at a cafe that I absolutely adore with a boss that I really enjoy with co-workers that I really enjoy and with customers that I really enjoy and I drink a lot of free coffee and a lot of tea (laughs) and I have a place to study and it's great so I've you know I've always really enjoyed the work of being a barista I have worked at cafes that have been better than others but the one that I'm currently at is my favorite by a mile it's been so fun and it brings value to my life to work at something that's not just music it reminds me that I am a musician and I'm also not just a musician like I'm a great barista I also think there's so much value in working hard at things that you don't get paid for (laughs) and to remember that, you know, the nature of your life and who you are is not inherently tied to work. Now, work can, you know, certainly be something that you identify with, but it doesn't have to be all that you identify with, right? And so the value of having hobbies that you work hard at and that you work to get better at, um, but that you don't get paid to do, you do them and you work hard at them because you want to do them and because they add value to your life by working hard at those things, that thing has become plants. (laughs) I think between my roommate and I, um, we have maybe around 30 plants now. (laughs) We're living in a bit of a jungle and I'm, I'm looking around my room right now and I have at least 15 in here. <laughs> I love plants. I love houseplants <laughs> and it has been so much fun to like fully indulge in my love of houseplants um, and to just make this place like a chaotic, beautiful green jungle. It brings me so much peace to come home to my house being a peaceful place and being a place where I like to be and that fosters creativity and that fosters, you know, healthy productivity. And I, I just really like being here. I feel at ease here. And that's been a huge part of just like being a full person and being able to show up, uh, in grad school as a fuller person, as a peaceful person because I'm fostering peace in my home. In terms of movement, my thing is running. I'm a huge runner. I love running. Now I'm not fast, (laughs) but I can go pretty far. 
And so I, I really, really love, again, speaking to things that you work at that you don't get paid to do, but they add value to your life. So you do them. Mine is definitely running. Like it's great to have like tangible goals and to be able to see myself getting faster and being able to go longer and being able to work at something and, and really see the, the progress laid out and displayed. I've never really been, you know, weight scal. I'm not really a yogi. Running is just my thing. Like I have a treadmill. I, I really, really enjoy doing it. I've always been a cardio girl. And so it's been really fun to be able to just like indulge in my love of running, especially during the summer while the weather is so nice. And I find it really helpful also to pair movement with the outdoors, right? I love running outside. I love running, you know, while the sun is out and all those things while the weather is nice. Being able to enjoy the outdoors and then also being able to, again, like see my goals in such a tangible way that's not tied to aesthetics, right? That's not tied to I'm working out so that my body will look a certain way. Rather, I'm working out the way that my body wants to move, right? Like I'm focusing on what feels good for my body, what feels healthy and what feels natural. Like I'm just never really going to be a weights girly and that's fine. Like I'm not going to be a strength training girly. Okay. like, <laughs> And that's fine. Um, rather, I just find so much value in being able to listen to what my body needs and what feels good the, the ways in which my body naturally is made to move, I think it's just cardio. I think it's running and I, it brings me so much joy to do it. I get the runner's high like every time I run. I think my last point about being a full person and part of why I've had such a great experience in this program is because I have friends. <laughs> That feels so weird to say, like, it's such a simple thing, like, oh, girl, I hope you do. But, like, listen, again, as I mentioned, when I was doing my master's, I did not really have friends like that. I didn't have, like, like, really, like, ride or die in my corner, like, really supportive. I had, like, maybe two. <laughs> and, you know, again, we were going through a pandemic. Like, I, I started my master's in the fall of 2019. So spring 2020, obviously everything went down. And so it was like I hadn't even finished a full year of the master's before everybody was sent home. And we were and we did the rest of the master's completely remotely. And so, you know, it was already such a hard, isolating time for everybody. And but then in addition, I just didn't have the support from my cohort and so here it feels so different to have like peers and friends and a roommate that like I really really like and that are invested in me and my well-being and in my growth and in my academic career and it's like it's just so nice like I love I love and again I love my home I love all my plants I love hosting people in my home I love cooking for people I've been invited to be in a couple book clubs, which has been so nice. So it again, I caught the reading bug, like I'm just itching to read. And so the fact that, you know, my friends want to read and have interesting conversations with me, like I just, I just love my friends. Like I love, if you're listening to this and you're one of my friends, you know who you are. Thank you. 
<laughs> like thank you like oh my gosh and then people come and see me while I'm working at the cafe and we study at the cafe and it's just like I'm li- like I am living my girl more girls dreams like I just <laughs> like me and the girlies I I really really think that's a huge part of my success in this program is that I feel connected I feel supported not only by my professors but by my colleagues that's huge and I just when I was in my master's I I never knew if I was going to feel that and I absolutely do here Right, so last thing that I want to talk about is kind of reflections on future goals, right? So for the upcoming year, it's going to be my second year in the program. I'm going to start teaching my first oral skills classes. I have two sections of oral skills. I am excited. I am terrified. (laughs) I'm feeling all the things, Um, but um, I think hopefully it'll, it'll be a learning experience for us all. And what I really want to focus on this year is, again, I really, really want to figure out my relationship with writing. Like, I want to I want to be able to shake hands with writing and say, OK, OK, you're all right. Right. Like, it's not going to be perfect and there are going to be writing days that are better than others. But I want to really invest in developing a writing practice early. I really, really want to be able to lean into the feedback from my professors and try my best to you know learn not to take it personally but to be thankful that they're so invested in my growth and my development as a writer I want to keep learning to ask interesting questions I want to keep thinking through ideas that's what this podcast space is for and so yeah I feel like year one was about like Lydia and reading like it just clicked it just, it feels like I didn't even have to do anything. Like it just, it just happened for me. And I don't know that writing is going to be that way, but I do know that I want to make a really concerted effort towards developing some sort of sustainable writing practice, right? It doesn't have to be crazy. Maybe it's just like a couple minutes a day. Maybe it's a page a day. Um, maybe it's every other day. I don't know, but I want to, I want to keep that on my radar this year and regularly check in about Um, how I'm feeling about academic writing. And speaking to larger future goals as far as, you know, the larger scope of what I'm trying to do in getting this degree. (sighs) Now, you know, obviously academia is like training us all to be professors in the academy. And that's kind of the marker of success, right? Is, you know, whether you get a tenure track job. And I, you know, I I do feel right like a pretty substantial amount of anxiety about getting a job I mean it's and here's the okay here's the thing listeners here's the thing listen up right I'm gonna deliver some hard truths it is frustrating whenever I talk about oh you know I'm a black woman academia it's gonna be kind of hard to get a profess to get you know a tenure track job and people are always like no you know you're so smart you're so talented it's gonna be fine of course you'll get a job it's like (laughs) do not invalidate my concerns like i am concerned i have a right to be concerned we know the numbers 
Okay. <laughs> you already know that, you know, music academic jazz, jobs in the humanities, right? They're just, they're, they're we're, we're turning out PhDs and there are not that many jobs to go around. Okay. So do not, do not gaslight me <laughs> about my prospects of becoming a professor. It is not just, oh, you're smart, you're talented, and that means you're going to get a job, right? It's about an over, like an overabundance of PhDs and about discrimination. <laughs> So do not, do not. <laughs> if you're a professor listening to this and you have a grad student who's black and concerned about getting a job, do not blindly tell them, don't worry, you'll get a job. Stop. <laughs> it's frustrating. I can't do it anymore. It's really frustrating and I'm concerned and I want someone to be concerned with me and to validate my concerns. So I'm concerned. <laughs> Have y'all read, what's that book? It's on my shelf over there. Karen Kelsey's, uh, The Professor is In. That's what the book is called. I believe their name is Karen Kelsey. Now, so it's like, we know the stats. We know the stats that it's not, it's not easy to get a job. And so I've also begun to think about what do people with PhDs, right? Because the goal isn't necessarily, for me, the goal isn't necessarily to be a professor. The goal is to be employed. Okay, the goal is to be paid. (laughs) So what can we do to get Lydia employed? (laughs) Like, sure, in the academy, but also if I'm doing interesting work, right, that relates to my research, I'm open to that. So, you know, I'm wondering, you know, if I could get into something musical music historical like archival work or museum work or something like that that would be interesting to me I don't really know anything about that field but I would be I would be interested in something like that and so that's something that's kind of on my radar that I want to think about I'm also really invested clearly kind of in the public pedagogy space right you know music theory is such a particular thing that lives within the context of the academy and so I'm I'm always interested in music theory interacting with the public and what a career as like a public music educator would look like. You know, obviously I make music theoretical content for the internet, you know, in a in a public space and I really enjoy doing that. So I'm interested in what something like that would would look like if it were an actual like do I just like turn into like a full-time podcaster that would be wild right (laughs) but yeah I don't know I I know that I'm definitely interested in continuing to do things in the public music theory space so we'll see how that shakes out in the future Right, so that's going to do it for this first episode of Her Music Academia. We just covered so much. <laughs> but thank you for hanging with me. I hope you have a better sense of who I am and the journey that we're about to go on to teaching and my research and my dissertation and beyond. If you want to get in touch with me and you want to give me your feedback about the show, anything that I should listen to, read, talk about, or you want to be on the show yourself, please make sure to send me an email at hermusicacademia at gmail.com. Make sure to visit my website, hermusicacademia.com to check out anything that I'm doing, recordings, talks I'm giving, blog posts, and papers that I'm writing. Love to hear your feedback on all my ideas. 
Until next time, thanks for listening.